whoever is listening, guys, welcome back and welcome to part two of our Clemson football preview series. We did Connor O'Neill, which will be releasing. I'm recording this Tuesday, June 27th. Part one with Connor O'Neill and Devils Illustrated will release on Wednesday. And this with Kurt Weiler, if I'm getting that right, Kurt Weiler. Weiler. Osceola. I I was scrolling, freaking out about the pronunciation before this started, but he is a beat writer that covers Florida State football for uh, the Florida State Rivals branch. We're going to be contacting Rivals writers throughout this 10-part series. We're going to go from Duke all the way to South Carolina. We're going to exclude Florida Atlantic and Charleston Southern. But this is our second part and episode 129 of the Man with the Plan podcast. For those who have been keeping up, thank you as always for tuning in. So welcome to the show, man. How have you been? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm uh, enjoying the dead period just kicked in. So I think we're all enjoying the chance to reset a little before that uh, that football grind kicks up. What about a little less than a month from now? It's to kick off. Yeah, exciting stuff. I think they they released the credential stuff about a week ago. So you, yep. you start to get the little a little bit of a, a tease almost that football is slowly but surely returning. No, for sure. It's exciting. So for you, do you just want to describe to our audience real quick what your day-to-day role is and not necessarily in the dead period, but let's just take what a normal day in the football season is covering Florida State. Well, we're we're blessed at Florida State. I'll be the first to say that in terms of the uh the access we get. I tell people that and they're kind of uh amazed cuz it's just not what it is for most people. We uh during the season, so preseason camp We'll get to watch pretty much every full practice with the exception of scrimmages. We can't report everything. We they, they're, they're protective over the injury stuff, obviously, but we get to watch a lot of practice. And then during the season, we get to watch two full practices a week. So we get, I mean, it it helps. I mean, Mike Nervell talks candidly about kind of like knowing we have a job to do and, and wanting to make our job as easy as possible. And I mean, it helps us give a legitimate understanding of uh, of what we're seeing and of what this team is. I mean, I think it helped going into last year, but yeah, I mean, we we do that. I mean, they're very open. We can talk to pretty much any player, freshman. I know some people don't let you talk to freshmen. We we talk to every freshman when they get here, and then they're available during the course of the season too. It's uh, it 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 helps a lot to be sure. Instead of I know a lot of teams have to uh, rely on. I mean, the little bit you might get to watch fifteen minutes, and then you're relying on either what a coach or player saying afterwards, or what you're hearing from kind of sources. So it definitely helps uh, educate us on the beat to be sure. Yeah, that access is certainly something that I never really have gotten used to yet, especially growing up in like the Clemson world. And then you're 15 feet away from Dabo on a daily basis. You're kind of like, oh, this is strange a little bit. So I guess I'm still trying to get used to that aspect of it. But let's walk through 2022 for Florida State. I think it's a very unique season. That's the way I like to describe it. I actually this morning took the time to watch the Clemson Florida State matchup in Tallahassee last year. So they start four and three and they're able, I think it was about six game win streak. They get to the um, cheese it bowl, which is now rebranded as the pop darts bowl against Brent Venables, Oklahoma Sooners. And you win 10 games. So can you, for, from your perspective, what was that season like? And where did Norvell improve? Where did Travis improve? There's a lot of headlines going into this seat, this off season that Florida state is a team to watch for in the ACC moving forward. Yeah, it was an important season. It felt like, I mean, there was, there was an understanding of patience when Mike Norvell took over especially when he had to deal with COVID and the pandemic and the, the team being apart for a large chunk of his first offseason he was hired in December of of 2019 after Willie Taggart was fired less than two years in and I think the fan base I think a lot of people largely understood hey this is a worse situation than Willie Taggart inherited after Jimbo left we're going to need to give him some time and COVID certainly I think added to that 
But it felt like year three for him. It was three and six in the COVID year. It was five and seven where they were a, a win away from Florida from making a bowl. That was kind of a, a battle of two, five, and six teams to close out the 2021 season. And Florida won. So Florida State missed the bowl again, but there was notable improvement. And 2022 felt like a if Mike Norvell's tenure is going to be long and potentially successful here, it was a year where you needed to take the step forward. I think people were thinking, I mean, think people, it was a tough schedule when you looked at it on paper. I think, uh, especially, I mean, starting with LSU in New Orleans. And uh, I think a lot of people were realistic about saying, you know, eight, seven, maybe nine for the optimistic folks. I mean, there are always going to be some who are the sunshiners who are higher than they probably should be. But truthfully, I mean, they, they met just about every expectation. There was that one stretch. They're, all three of their losses came in a row to Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson. And outside of that, I mean, they 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 beat LSU, and it was really not as close a game as the final score indicated. Florida State had a mistake late in that game that kind of gave LSU a chance they shouldn't have had. But, yeah, I mean, it, especially as the season went on, it was, I mean, Jordan Travis didn't play a lot of second halves. They were just steady routing opponents, routed Miami on the road, routed Syracuse, routed a lot of teams, and then capped it off with a really uh, the regular season with a nice win over Florida, which it had been a minute since they had uh, done that, since they really, since they beat Miami or, or or Florida. I guess Miami was their second in a row, but kind of turning the uh, recent fortunes of those rivalries, which had not been going in their favor. And so win both of those. And then to beat an Oklahoma team that was without a few starters, yes, but you still look at it on paper, it was probably a more talented, like blue chip ratio wise team than Florida State. And uh, they they won that game. And I mean, yeah, it was a it was the ten win season that uh, that Florida State desperately needed. And I mean, has now built for sure an, an off season hype train around this program that uh, they're going to have to live up to here in a few months. Yeah, and especially going from like you said, three and six to five and seven to a five in, a five plus increase in your win total. I feel like that's really impressive and shows where this program is headed. And it's the last program to win the Cheese Bowl as it keeps rebranding itself. I, I was doing that. Uh, schedule search for Florida State in 2022 and completely forgot about that so we'll see what they uh serve for that one but let's talk about Jordan Travis I think he's a player that's extremely fascinating especially within the ACC I think a lot of a lot of journalists a lot of media out there view him as one of the top quarterbacks if not the best quarterback in this conference with the departure of guys like Sam Hartman Devin Leary's at Kentucky what have you seen from him in the spring has he, is he aware of what's going on in the media or is he some guy that like he likes to keep to himself? He's definitely a guy who likes to keep to himself more. I think he's had to, uh, he is more a lead by example type who's had to get more comfortable and has gotten more comfortable being the vocal leader, being the face of the program type. I mean, I think the, the day after the national championship game last this past year in what in January, Florida state launched the J trap for Heisman website. They're definitely, I mean, steering into that i imagine they might be mailing something out in the next few weeks as uh it seems like a lot of people do with these a lot of schools do with these promotions but no i mean jordan's been a really a guy that's defined what what mike Gravel's done at florida state i mean he talked pretty candidly a few years ago at acc kickoff about uh you know when when he arrived in 2019 as a transfer from louisville his brother played baseball here so he had a certain level of familiarity with florida state but uh, after that 2019 season, when he didn't play much, it didn't seem like they wanted him to throw the ball. He was seen more as a running quarterback. Mike Gravel and and offensive coordinator at the time, Kenny Dillingham, had to kind of convince Jordan to not quit football. Jordan was kind of considering, you know, baby, this was just this was it for me. And uh, they kind of reinstilled that belief in himself in Jordan. And that's I mean, he's just year by year gotten better. 
where we've seen, I mean, he, the, the knock on him for a while was he wasn't able to stay healthy. He was kind of the best quarterback when he could play in both 2020 and 2021, but he missed both chunks of both seasons and kind of had to learn how to uh, be a guy who can run, but also be strategic about when you're subjecting yourself to hits and things of that sort. And I mean, he made it through the entire uh, 2022 season and looked great in doing so. I think was the, what the second team, all ACC quarterback is a guy who could very well be the, uh, the uh, ACC preseason player of the year next month in, uh, in Charlotte. And yeah, I think it's, it's been impressive. He's always had the mobility. And I mean, you go watch that Florida game in particular, but really every game he had so many, the, the amount of plays he makes with his legs where he looks dead to rights for a sack and escapes and turns it into a positive. I mean, two of those plays in Florida became touchdowns, but also he's come a long way as a passer. I think the knock for a long time was, well, is this a guy who's ever going to be able to, uh, figure it out. And I mean, so credit to what the Florida state staff's done with him, that he has come a long way as a passer to where now, I mean, he's a, he's in the Heisman conversation going into next season and has the talent around him where you could see things breaking that way. We'll see obviously what Florida state ends up record wise. That plays a big role in that, but I, I it's, it's been a transformation. unlike probably any I've, I can remember seeing in college football in just terms of the, uh, the makeover that he's had. Yeah. And just a quick look at those stats, right. They had over 3,200 yards in the air. A near five to one touchdown interception ratio. That's I think very impressive for a guy that two years ago was like you said regarded as someone who shouldn't have any business throwing the football and adds seven touchdowns on the ground to that. Where though can he improve? And like you said, you mentioned the H word Heisman. Where can he improve within his game to where maybe some of his doubters still can say, "Oh yeah, this is a guy that can be in New York come December." I mean, I'll be honest. I don't think he has uh, many doubters left. I think he had some going into last year and kind of the LSU game and then what followed kind of uh, put that to rest. I mean, truthfully, if he is able to, able to find uh, another tier from where he is, another kind of elevate his game even further, which from the spring it was interesting this spring. I mean, they kind of took it easy with him because they knew what he was. He didn't play a ton in their in their scrimmages, they kind of were working more towards letting the other quarterbacks get work to maybe see who's going to be his backup. And also, I mean, playing for some for the future, because he's going into his, his last year now, but yeah, no, it's a, uh, it, 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 if he's able to find another tier, I mean, I think he's a guy who absolutely could maybe I say will win the Heisman because he's just the, the strides he's made every season. I mean, I guess the, the uh, question is, he's got some new weapons to work with. I guess, what's his chemistry with a guy like Keon Coleman, who transferred from Michigan State, with a guy like Jaheim Bell at tight end, who transferred from South Carolina? I know you have some familiarity with there and on the Clemson side. But, yeah, I mean, it's it really just it, it staying healthy is the biggest thing. And he did last year. He kind of proved he can do that over the course of a whole season. But there are not many Jordan Travis doubters left. I think everybody's pretty much all, all the way bought in and kind of established himself in that top tier of uh of florida state quarterbacks i think they're going to be a team that's i i believe favored to win the acc this year i could be wrong on the odds makers on that but i think this this offseason florida state hasn't been a stranger to national excitement and the hype around them i believe is definitely warranted they, they've, there's a team like you've mentioned that's done nothing but the, i i'm for my uh, spotify audience i'm making like a upwards trend with my arm here they go from three and six five and seven ten and three what has the energy been like though locally in Tallahassee what is the team feeling what are some maybe fans that are talking to you going man this is something I haven't felt in a long time what is that national excitement but how has that been translated to the local community 
yeah, I think the team hasn't shied away from it. I think some coaches, it feels like, I mean, we feel like we just saw it with Kirby Smart coming off a national title and that he had his players believing coming into the season, like, oh, some people think you're going to go five and seven and all that nonsense. <laughs> That's not really been the Florida State. I mean, Mike Gravel has kind of talked with Steve Candley about like, you know, we are pivoting from the the hunters to the hunted that we're going to be. I mean, that game that people are circling on the schedule again, where maybe that hasn't been the case for the last few years. And I mean, obviously you look at it on paper outside of probably the LSU game in Orlando and that Clemson game up there, you look at Florida state as a, a, a somewhat significant favorite, probably in just about every one of the rest of their games on their schedule. I don't think weird things can happen. Obviously maybe Miami improves notably, maybe Florida surprises, but yeah, I mean, I think you look at, especially with the uh, divisions going away, I think that's good timing on that front for uh, Florida state, although they probably wouldn't mind if the 12 year, 12-team playoff was a, a year up. I think uh, there's legitimate excitement. There has been for a while, especially with uh, the Florida State NIL collective, the battle's end, has done a really good job retaining talent where, I mean, I think only one Florida State player got drafted in this year's draft, and that was not for lack of talent. That was because they got a guy like Jared Burst, who could have been a first-round pick to come back. They got defensive tackle Fabian Lovett to come back for that that COVID year of eligibility that uh, – they got, I mean, Trey Benson to come back as a running back who easily could have gone. Same for wide receiver Johnny Wilson. They, they're going to, I mean, the draft class next year is going to be a big one because of how many guys who probably would have got drafted are, are are back at Florida State. And I mean, it's it's definitely a Florida State adapting well in the NIL era and kind of trying to use NIL in a different way where so much of what you see is about acquisition. They're They're big on roster retention and it's paid dividends for them. Yeah, absolutely. The NIL thing is certainly, and the, the way that Florida State's attacked this offseason, just watching them, it's been very interesting that they've been very aggressive. They've, I, I, they sense it too, that, hey, there's an opportunity here to really take that next step. And they've really gone for it. Like in the transfer portal, it felt like for a certain point, they were really the, one of the top teams as the beneficiaries of that. Was that something that you noticed? And especially, like you said, with that NIL collective? Well, it's been true for a while, really, even before the NIL era, that Mike Gravel's kind of, established himself really well in the transfer portal. It goes all the way back to his first off season with some of the guys he brought in like Jay Sean Corbin during the COVID off season, but especially the last few years. I mean, you look at Jermaine Johnson who came in from Georgia was a uh, playing for Georgia, but not probably not playing as much as he wanted kind of wanted that opportunity to uh, be a star somewhere else. And he didn't think it was going to be Florida state at first. He talked candidly about like, I'm not going to a team coming off a three and six season, but he got convinced by Mike Nervell and John Papuchis and Adam Fuller on the, FSU staff and I mean became the ACC defensive player of the year I think the first guy ever to win that in his first year in the in the conference and I mean you look at last year what they did with Jared Verse with transforming their wide receiver room with adding at linebacker with adding at some other places I mean offensive line's been a key throughout and that's really transformed the line portals played a, a big role in that and then this offseason yeah I mean it changed where instead of being able to sell maybe opportunities or playing time you're now selling, I mean, come be a part of a team that's trying to contend for an ACC title and more. And I think that's only helped, I mean, with what they've done. They, uh, I, For my money, Mike Nervell is just about as much of a king of the transfer portal as as there is. I mean, he, uh, you hear pretty much all the time from those guys that Florida State was the first team to reach out to me. Florida State was persistent. Florida State, and I mean, they they win far more of those transfer portal recruitments than they lose. Yeah, absolutely. And so... I mean, you mentioned something earlier that I would really like to take a deeper dive into it is 
Florida State's 2023 schedule really, I think the the first four really pop out to me. Obviously, you have LSU to begin with. Last year, that was a really fun game. Like you said, not as close as the score may have indicated. I do remember that that unbelievable finish. The missed PAT ends up deciding the game in New Orleans. Then they have Southern Miss, which is their their chalk up. Their as you people like to call the cupcake game. And then at Boston College, which not necessarily Boston College wasn't fantastic last year, but they can prove to be a challenge in some spots. And then it's the early matchup against Clemson. I don't think for me, as long as I've been watching football, they've played this early. And I think that's per on per. I, I might be wrong on that and memory might not be serving me well, but it feels very on purpose this year, especially given yeah. where the two teams are saying, hey, let's get these guys to face off early because they may be facing off again in Charlotte. And that may also be for a playoff spot. Let's talk about those four games from your perspective. Yeah, I think so. 2014 is the one I can think of where Florida State and Clemson played early in the year, and that's throwing it back. That was the game Jameis was suspended for and Sean ah, yes. McGuire, they won it overtime. But that's a while ago. I mean, that's almost a decade. That's nine years ago. But, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. It feels like we might start seeing this game uh, a, a lot earlier in the schedule on a consistent basis because, you're, yeah, I think that they don't want them playing in early November and then playing that first weekend in December, which I think, I mean, those are, to me, the the two front clear front runners to to meet in the ACC title game in the first uh, divisionless year. You know, I mean, I think that's – a but yeah, I think uh, we'll we'll learn everything we need to know about about this team over the over the first four. Obviously, last year beating LSU close, losing to Clemson pretty close at home. I know they they made it a little closer later. There was that one stretch of the game really where it got decided, kind of the the middle eight, the final four of the of the first half and the first four of the second half. Um, but yeah, they will we'll know. I mean, is this team ACC championship good? Is this team maybe maybe not as good as we thought they were or is this team i mean if they were to win both of those potentially college football playoff good because mm -hmm. you look at the schedule if they win both those if they're four and oh coming out of september i think it's absolutely a team that you look at as probably should be i mean if you're beating clemson and lsu you probably shouldn't lose to anyone else on that schedule right. and so there's a world where you start thinking i mean is this team going to go undefeated is this team going to be 12 and 0 going into ACC championship game so yeah we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot it's uh it, it's gonna be a really fascinating uh month that uh fans have been talking about really for a long time yeah and those are those Florida State games from what I remember especially with Deshaun Watson absolutely just nail biters classics you had there's a, a really deep-seated history between these two teams that we haven't really seen as of late and I think this game in in Death Valley and Clemson they haven't announced a time for it. I think that's purposeful too, just for potentially saying, ah, oh, both these teams are undefeated. We might want to shift that to an 8 p.m. game. But I, I let's look, we could just quickly preview. And I think this is what's really neat about this series that I'm excited about is getting that outside perspective on a program like Clemson that for the last two years has undergone a lot of change and a lot of, they, they've been under the microscope and probably not a positive way and the ways that they've established such a standard from the last from 2015 to 2020 that you have DJ Oyungagale really underwhelm in terms of his expectations. And you have this inner thing with Brandon Streeter, you bring in Garrett Riley, Klubnik's the new quarterback. Now for your perspective, where has this Clemson program gone? Just, I would love, love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. I mean, to me, Clemson's one of the most fascinating teams going in 
to this season. I mean, I know I, it's been clear, obviously, Dabo has definitely on his coaching staff liked having his guys, and that's what the promotion of Brandon Streeter was. And obviously kind of bringing in one of the hottest names, Garrett Riley, is a huge change from that. It feels like Dabo accepting that that what what has worked for a long time or has worked for the better part of a decade now maybe maybe isn't the way to I mean he has to pivot and I think for the longest time he didn't seem like he wanted to so yeah it's interesting that he he has and I think it was I mean the perfect time to do so because it felt like one more year that was maybe underwhelming relative to expectations I'm not saying his seat would have gotten hot but fans would have started to probably think well was that was that run it are we not going to be able to kind of find that magic again? And I think there's a world where they absolutely could with Garrett Riley. Now, how long he stays, and he's a, a a quite possibly a head coach as as early as what December. But yeah, I think uh, it's been fascinating watching kind of the the stalling out of Clemson in a bit. I mean, from from kind of what they were with with Deshaun and with Trevor Lawrence, and uh, what they can be this fall. I mean, that that Florida State game feels important for both. I mean. Florida State hasn't beaten Clemson in a minute. I think 20, 2014. It's been mm-hmm. it's it's been a while. There've been some close games in there. There've been some games Florida State would probably say they should have won. The last time up there being one where they led in the the final minutes. But Florida State kind of definitely is out to reestablish itself. And for Clemson, I think Clemson's out to say, "Oh, well, it's we're still running the ACC." So I think there are pretty big stakes for both teams and I think uh, it's a big one for Clemson to kind of I mean reestablish that and say, "Hey, Florida State may have had a great year, but the ACC tool goes through Clemson, South Carolina. Yeah, and I think that while that game in early and late September may be an establishment for both, I think that these two teams are destined to slate off again in December. I think that there's a clear class in this in this conference where we and they could say, hey, this could be also a playoff thing, especially with this being the final four teams, is you could have a Clemson team and a Florida State team that are both maybe 11-1, and one, one's 12-0, and 0, both in the top 10 saying, hey, if they get a quality win against each other and almost cancel it out, they could be a forced, like a team that maybe sneaks in like a TCU or a team like a Michigan that comes in with a one loss. So I think there's a lot of fascinating things that you could really dial in from this matchup, especially if it's close. So from your perspective, I I keep, I sound like a broken record today, but from your perspective, what does Florida State need to do in Death Valley to take Clemson down? What does it need to do? And would we necessarily call that an upset? Uh, I think a lot of that hinges on, I mean, the first, I think if Clemson's 3-0, and if Clemson beats Duke, that's probably the one you look at is there's a world where maybe they slip up there. Obviously, it would be an upset if Duke were to do that, but Duke is coming off a great season. Yeah, I, I, I'd be interested to see what the odds would be. I think Clemson would probably be a favorite if, like, say, both teams were undefeated, but I think it'd be close. Um, I think Florida State's just got to play its game. I think you look at that game last year where in Florida State had its chances for much of that game went toe-to-toe with Clemson, just kind of had that one stretch where uh, the game got away from them. There was the turnover. I think it was like the, what, 17-0 Clemson run or something like that. Mm-hmm. That atmosphere is going to be a big thing, obviously. I mean, Florida State's played in some intense atmospheres up there and has handled it well a few times. That 2013 game, I mean, will will be a game that is in Florida State lore forever. But they, I mean, that will be the first real hostile. I don't think Boston College is going to be that hostile in the LSU games in Orlando. That's going to be, I mean, the first truly hostile atmosphere this team plays in this season. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that and uh, uh, what they're able to do. I mean, for my money, whereas Florida State has an LSU already, 
Clemson, I mean, that will be the toughest game of the season for them. I'd say by a fairly wide margin, nothing against Duke. But that will be a, a ramp up from the first three weeks in degree of difficulty. So if Florida State can, I mean, put the pressure on Clemson, maybe lead early, maybe quiet that crowd would would go a long way towards for them. I mean, being uh, being in a, a good spot there. Yeah, I think certainly college football fans, not just you and me, are very excited about what that will entail. And we're getting closer to it. It's just a day by day process at this point. So do you have any more final thoughts before we wrap up, Kurt? I that, really appreciate your time and your insight. Uh, September 23rd can't get here soon enough. <laughs> All right, guys, this was part two of our Clemson football preview series with Kurt Weiler and with Florida State's Rivals program. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 129 of the Man with a Plan podcast. Hopefully, working on some things in the background, we'll have the episodes of Syracuse and Wake Forest coming in the in the coming days, maybe in a, maybe about a week, but we'll see. Guys, thank you as thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Let's try to get to 20,000 listeners before the start of July, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great day and take care. Mm-hmm.